Hi everyone, Daniel Ramsey here, the CEO of My Outdesk and the host of Scale the Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to having conversations that unlock the exact formula and strategies multi-million and billion dollar companies use to scale their business. You can visit me on our website at scalethepodcast.com or listen to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. What is the message that you think would land most appropriately for them? Well, what are, what are they telling you when you send emails? What are the emails that they're hitting that you get the most opens, the most click throughs? Like what are the, what, what's, what's emotionally connecting with your audience right now? You know, it's interesting. Um, you're, you know, there's definitely something going on in our industry. Uh, commissions are getting compressed. Mm -hmm. um, San Diego market just kind of did a little bit of a, a switch over, meaning it's the first decline they've seen in like, I don't know, since 2013. And, and where, are the, where are the commissions going? Are they going to the brokers? Or are they going to the... No, to the they're, get, they're, they're getting compressed because of competition. They're getting compressed because of um, really different models out there. They're getting compressed because people, you know, are saying, well, why I can just sell my house on Zillow, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so you've got competition with, with, uh, with for, for sales by owners for FISBOs, and then you've got the automated... Um, bulk buying that's happening basically through machine learning and these big investment houses that are buying up all these single family homes. You know what? That's a misnomer. Um, there's no such thing as machine learning in real estate. And, and even Zillow, who says that they're doing it, they actually, they use real estate brokers to... Well, I, say that it's more, I think maybe, maybe a better name for it is, um, what do they call it? Systematic buying or what have you, where they're going through like all these listings and their computers are crunching that and then human beings are looking at them, but they're no. not, they're walking through the door with cash. They're using brokers. I mean, they're using real estate agents, but there have been at least God, five articles in the wall street journal in the last 90 days about, mm -hmm. about these investment firms and all the, all the VC money that's rolling into them. I mean, they're, they're clear. It's making a small impact right now, but they're, yep. But they're basically going into the residential market and they're walking in with cash and they're saying, you know, based on these, this stuff right here, I want to buy this house from you. Actually, so, you're right about that. So investors are making cash investors are making a much higher impact um, on who sells and for how much. Um, and, and these, these, uh, you know, these companies, these larger companies, they, they can go on very skinny margins where you and I would want to make 20 grand if we flipped a house and risk capital and did all that. They can go in and risk and, and just make five grand because they're doing 50 of them. And a lot of them are just renting the houses. I mean, the, the, the bigger firms are buying them and they're, put, they're keeping them on the market. So they're, they're, yep. they're compressing the, the, the amount of time that the buyer has. I mean, it's, it's a simple trade-off, right? You can, you can have your house on the market for six months or you can have it on the market for two weeks. Take this yeah. cash now or, you know, take it later. And, yeah. uh, and we just, uh, you know, we're doing, we just did a big seminar for house flippers. I'm not in the house flipping world, but teaching them how to prospect. So going after, uh, you know, folks. And then uh, we're, we're doing some online fanatical prospecting boot camps for house flipping and, it's really about, you know, getting in the door, qualifying, and then obviously convincing the person to sell their house for cash at a lo much lower amount than they thought that they were going to get. Right. Um, but it's, it's interesting what's happening out there. I mean, I think the real estate, I'm, you know, I own real estate, I own rental houses, but it is, I think for, for real estate agents, it's a pretty, if I were a real estate agent, it'd be a pretty scary time. I, w I gave a keynote uh, at the, at, for Century 21, and I followed their CEO on stage. Mm -hmm. And I thought his message was strong and his message that, and I love this message was it's the world is changing and computers, technology, Zillow, Trulia, all of these, these, you know, these companies, they're, they're getting in, in the way they're disrupting what we normally did. The value right. for you as an agent is your knowledge of the marketplace, what you know, uh, and the human experience that you bring to people who are trying to 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 purchase a home, and right. and I th I thought well if you know if you've got a better disruptor than that tell me because a robot can't do that for you, and 
I understand on the listing side, for example, you know, that hey, I'm going to, I'm a, I'm, it's easier for me to be, to sell it myself than to bring someone in. But, but the value of the agent is that they, that they know things that, that other people don't know. And I know right. that because I bought, you know, I bought a, a vacation home recently and I found it on Trulia, what I was looking for. Yep. Um, I, I went there and got in touch with an agent who did a fantastic job of teaching right. us about the area, showing us around, uh, took us to enough houses where we could make a good decision. The house that we originally looked at, we didn't end up buying, the one that we thought we wanted to buy from the pictures. Right. Uh, once right. we got there and some insider knowledge and help, um, we got a really, really good deal on the home that we wanted and, uh, and, and we learned about where to buy, not to buy, but we would have never known that if it hadn't been for the agent that we were working with. There's no way possible we would have known that. Um, because it's just, it's one of those things that's just such a niche area and, you know, and everything there is, you know, you're spending a million dollars to buy a house. So you can't really, you don't want to screw that up. And <laughs> in the future, and in your future resale is going to be predicated on where you are in that particular area. So, well, and you, you only in real estate, you make money at the buy, not at the sell. Like everybody gets that confused. So yeah, yeah, I love it. That's exactly right. That's the, you know, we were, we had the right area, right place, some stuff that needed to be fixed and a really motivated buyer. And, you know, we, we, we did well there, but, but I think that that to me, to me, the message is it's human. It's about the human experience, which I think I don't, I don't know enough about real estate because I don't, I don't live in the real estate industry, but I, I think that's the one thing that's missing in sales in general uh, mm. is it teaching people, here's all this digital stuff that you can use. And we've forgotten about the human experience. And I think the same thing in real estate, you, you have to connect with human beings to sell to human beings. I mean, that's important. You have to connect with right. human beings to list their homes. Uh, you have to connect with FISBOs at just the right time. And then you have to maintain a nurture relationship with them over time. You have to yep. do all these things, but it truly is a human to human experience. And if you forget that a robot can do your job. Yeah. 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 So would you link, um, the, like the iBuyer investors coming in and purchasing stuff and then the changing landscape, all the competition and all the money coming in, um, and then link that together with the, um, phonetical, uh, prospecting. Yeah. I don't know. You know, those, I think those are, I think those are things that are scary to agents. So mm -hmm. the world's changing. All of those things are happening. It scares me because I worry about what happens when, um, when the market shifts and you have these big corporations that have all of this real estate in their portfolios, and then they decide they need to get rid of it. And they, they push, push the, the red button. button. They push exactly. the red button. The, you know, the, the housing market, I just worry about that as a, as a real estate owner that I don't want right. my values to get depressed by these big um, you know, machines that are buying tons of property. I mean, as a, as a percentage of all the properties out there, it's a very right. small percentage. The problem that they're creating in the marketplace right now is not really for agents. So as so much as for the, the, you know, the first time homeowners, the second time homeowners. So you're, you know, I bought my first house when I was 25. I think people are going a little bit, you know, later than that, but I bought my first house in California at 30, which was a big purchase. And so that was my third house, by the way. And I think that, you know, if the people that are coming in at the very, you know, at the very bottom, they're getting bid out of the, of the marketplace by these institutional buyers who are buying these houses up for cash. You know, they're right. sitting, they spent forever trying to save up enough money for a down payment. But, you know, I read uh, an article in, this is in the Wall Street Journal too, it was about these, uh, the agents that are selling at the very top of the market. So, homes that are $10 million plus. And, and they were, they were interviewing this one guy and it was like, it's all about the relationships because you, you have to, you have to have a wide network of people who can buy these houses. And then you got to get on the telephone and cold call them and tell them this house is for sale and figure out a way to get them in to see the house. Cause you're like, you don't list a $50 million house and then everybody goes, Oh yeah, I think I like to go see that. You know, so it's a, it's a different marketplace. So I think that, um, I think that every real estate agent, hey, you got to know what niche you play in. Where are you? What are you doing? Um, you have to understand the, you know, the, the buyers that are out there. And I think more than anything, you've got to, you've got to provide a great human experience. I just, I don't think there's any other way around that. My, my brother-in-law is a very successful real estate agent in Tuscaloosa and you know, that's what he does. And you know, he's, 
and we were just talking the other day about all the leads that you know that like truly leads and Zillow leads and how worthless they are. And uh, he's like, I get these things and they're just forever. And then he had bought into someone else's plan. And I'm like, well, where do, where do most of your leads come from? He goes, friends, people, people I sold houses to who send their friends to me. I'm like, yeah, why don't you play that that card instead of all this other stuff that you think yes. is going to make you money? You, my favorite question for that, your brother-in-law would be, how much money have you spent on your friends and, and sphere of influence? Mm-hmm. And then ask him to look at his P&L for the last three years. And he's spent zero money on the number one source of his business and thousands of dollars buying crap leads on yep. portals. Yep. And, and agents wonder, like, anyways, we, we could go on and on. Yeah, um, I- Hey everybody, Daniel Ramsey here and I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer to take action and start scaling your business right now. You know I get a lot of questions about how to grow your business, generate more revenue and reduce expenses and the answer is simple. It's My Outdesk Virtual Assistants. My Outdesk offers five star virtual assistant services to thousands of business professionals across the United States and making our clients over a hundred million dollars in net revenue every year. Our customers absolutely love our virtual assistants and I want to give you the opportunity to learn exactly why. Simply text the word MOD, MOD, to 31996 and we're going to give you a free double my business strategy call where you work one-on-one with one of our business growth specialists to design an action strategy for growth and cost savings in your business. We're gonna give you over 20 growth and strategy guides, a market force personality indicator, an important business checklist, and hiring guides. My Outdesk admins can help manage your office, your sales, your marketing pipeline, and even help you lead generate and follow up. And during this call, you'll learn exactly how you can put them into your business right now. So again, text MOD to 31996 and get a free double my business strategy call right now and learn how My Outdesk can transform your business today. It's complicated and uh, and add to it that you've got, you know, people who wake up every day and say, I'm going to be a real estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what, you know, so and they start from nothing. And then, you know, and then if you get with the wrong broker, you've got an unscrupulous broker that's taking all your money out of your pocket while you're trying yeah. to learn your profession. So, um, yeah. you know, I but I do I think it's a, I think you it's a it's always the combination of you have to do everything right. Like if you can get good leads in and you understand how that works and you're paying for them, that's cool. But you have, but you have to be able to flip those into more. What are you doing in your neighborhood? What are you doing for networking? How many cold calls did you make on FISBOs this week? I mean, just call them up and have a meeting with them. Look, sooner or later, they're either going to sell their house, they're going to get load ball by a flipper and it's going to piss them off. Uh, and, or they're going to get tired of people walking through their house all the time, having to be home, having to be chained to it. Like a, so you have to be there when their, their status quo shifts and they need help and they call you first. Seller fatigue is what we call it. it seller fatigue. I like that. Yeah. I, don't, and, I, don't, I said, I don't want to, I don't want to sell my own house. I want someone else to do the work for me. Yeah. It's called seller fatigue. Yeah. Um, Dude, okay, because selfishly, I have a question for you. Um, so I, I'm about to launch, we're, we're about to release a new book that I wrote, and I made up this whole framework um, called the four Ps, which is prospecting, presenting, persistent follow-up, and potential referrals. Like, this, this is our methodology. Like, if you just focus as a salesperson on those four things, everything else, you know, is easy. So, you're the sales guy. And so I wanted to hear what your thoughts were about this. I think it's good. I love, I love simple framers like that. So if you, you know, if you, um, if you, you know, if you, if you think about pre- presenting, it's more messaging, right? It's messaging, it's, it's staging, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's organizing the story. So, uh, so I think if you're a real estate agent, it's the ability to tell that story to get people excited. And it's, I'd add one, one other to it and it's patience. Ah, Interesting. Five right. P's. 
Right, because because when when you are working, like you, you you know, you have to have the right people, right? So add six piece too, right? You have the right people because you're wrong people. And I'm really careful when I'm working with a real estate agent. I'm very careful to be very clear with them. I will only work with you. Um, I'm not jumping around. I am going to buy a house. I'm not going to waste your time. And I, part of that's because I'm a sales professional and I sell right. stuff every single day. And I just like, I just, from a professional to professional, I want you to understand this is the role I'm in, but these are the things I expect from you. So right. if you do these things, I'm going to give you the, these things and you know, you're going to sell a house. Um, but I think you got to make sure you're working with the right people because for, you know, for an agent, whether you're working with a seller or you're working with a buyer or you're working with both, um, if you're not doing a good, very good job of qualifying, you're screwed because you're going to spend so much of your time on people who are never going to buy. And like, that's the biggest waste of time you possibly can and biggest waste of resources that you can possibly uh, spend your time and effort on in emotion. But I also think it's patience because you kind of got to let people, you know, sometimes a process. And I've worked with agents that are like, yep, yeah, that room, that room, that room, that room, that room, or, um, or you're working with a, a, a you know, person who believes that they can sell their home and you don't have the patience to stick with the nurturing and keeping it alive over time. Because imagine if you had a net of, say, 50 of those people that were out selling their houses, they're everywhere, and you nurtured and nurtured and nurtured them. The statistics just say that, that, that there's a certain number of those that are going to have seller fatigue and a certain number of those people are going are gonna to work with you because they just like you better than the other person. Right. right. So it's having that ability over time to build those relationships and maintain those relationships and also allow people to fall in love with a home or fall in love with a story. You have to do that. It's, it's, it's you know, unless you're just pure investor, I don't know that there are too many more emotional buys in your life than, than your home or your vacation home. And I've bought a lot of them. We're, I am convinced that in the next six months, we are going to go through a little bit of a recession that's going to last a year or two. Um, and my curiosity is how, as a sales professional, how do I weather that storm? And what are the activities pre-recession that I can do to set myself up to last through that two years of kind of slow, <laughs> uh, we'll call it slow gravy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, first of all, I don't think, I don't think six months is the right number. I think, um, I think it'll be further out than that. Um, so I think we've got a little bit more runway left. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah. But, but there's certainly, you know, there are certainly signs that say you're right. I just, in, I just, in your area, in your area, you're absolutely right. You have a year, maybe two. California, yeah, I, we're on the end. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. I mean, the housing market's going to go up and down, but I think the economy as a whole um, is a lot stronger. And there's a, there's still a Trump card out there, uh, believe yeah. it or not. And that is uh, if the Americans and Chinese sign an agreement, um, then th you're, you're going to see it zooming um, because there's still space left to go. And, 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 and my belief is that, that, that these guys are all smart enough to figure out exactly when to sign that so that you, you carry through. Because if you're right, there's a, there's a recession in six months. Um, it could be two years because there's a recession in six months. There's going to be a change in the White House. And there's a change in the White House, depending on who gets in. Um, you know, we, we might see you know, higher taxes, some other things happening that disrupt the marketplace. If those things happen, we could go a little bit longer into a recession. If... Yep if what I believe will happen, and that is that these guys are all smart enough to get something inked, Chinese and Americans, then I think you're gonna get a lot more runway. And then you won't see a recession until Trump's second term. Um, sure. Someplace in there, you'll see it drop off. But if it happens before that, he's toast. There's, there's no chance that, that he gets reelected. If it doesn't happen, I think the chances that he gets reelected are pretty good. The, 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 regardless of your pol politics, um, from an economic standpoint, which is where I'm, I'm, a, I'm just an unabashed capitalist. Um, it's a good thing if we can keep this thing going. And, you know, and I think that despite all of the other stuff, the levers that are getting pulled are pretty good. But I wrote a book about in 2009 called uh, Seven Rules for Outselling the Recession. And uh, so if there is a recession, that book will be back in, in vogue again. I'll be able to sell books again. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the, what, what, what I teach salespeople is, um, is if you're getting ready for the, obsession, the, the recession, what you want to do is start thinking about it. First of all, it's like for Game of Thrones. Winter's coming. Be prepared for it. I say it to my people every single day, everybody in my company. 
I'm, I'm preparing for the recession now. I'm already ready for it. I already believe that it's here. I'm already focusing on that because there's going to be a recession. Winter is coming. I just don't know when. You might be right. I hope you're not. But if you're right and it happens, then I'm in the training industry. In the training industry, what happens? People start pulling back T&E. They don't right. stop training people. They just stop traveling people. Um, right. And 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 like corporate events start building being peeled back so i'm a keynote speaker so guess what you know your, your corporate event last year we spent money on jeb this year bob from accounting is going to be our keynote speaker i mean that's what's going to happen in the recession right so um so I like bob by the way i like him he's a good guy so they'll start pulling back so we know those things are going to happen so you know what are we doing well you know what you have to do a is you know you have to be a safe choice so Everything that we do as a company right now is making sure that when the recession happens, we know the companies are not going to quit training, but they're going to reduce the amount of training they do, but they're not going to take a risky choice. No one gets fired for picking sales gravy. That's, that's the, you know, that's the old IBM thing, right? So you're going to make an easy choice for them. Number two is we have to have different ways of, of making money. So, so for example, you may not be bringing people into a classroom, but we offer VILT, which is virtual instructor-led training. So I've got a, a whole stable of trainers who are fantastic at delivering training. Um, I'm sitting in a big studio right now. Actually, behind me is a 36-foot green screen. I just have this thing in front of it because I was too lazy to key this. Um, so um, so we, you know, we're, we're expanding 3,000 square foot out that way. So we're building this massive sound studio with streaming. Um, we have uh, live studios for our trainers to train in. Uh, we have a full audio studio. This is our video. I'm in our video studio. So we just shoot training videos here. So we're spending the money now to get ready for the recession later because right. having the space already invested in and having the ability to, to, um, to deliver training this way and deliver content this way, suddenly it gets easier for us to get in where other people are still struggling. And by the way, in the middle of the recession, you're not going to spend the money that we're spending, which is, you know, which is a mid six figure, you know, about $300,000 to build this out, um, right. which is really expensive to build a sound studio. You're not going to spend that money in the recession, which is why we're doing it now. So the investments that we're making now are setting us up for that in the future. So it's a salesperson. You got to be thinking, where's the money going to go? Because there's been recessions, 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 and yet people in real estate continue to make money. So where's the money going to go? Start thinking about that now and then start building out those relationships and building out your, you know, your, your database. So that's the next thing that we're doing getting ready for this is that we are really focusing our sales team right now on qualifying. So we've got a massive database. I mean, on our list, we have 1.2 million people on our list. Yeah. Um, the number of companies that we have qualified is minuscule compared to that number because we've been in such a, a, a you know a running economy it's like it's almost crazy like the day that trump got elected my phone started ringing and it hadn't stopped ringing since it's been insane and right. so we're grateful for the opportunities that we've we've been getting because the whatever happened when the administration changed money loosened up people started spending so that money's been coming in at a rapid pace so we haven't been doing qualifying we've been doing triaging like i mean there was a time last year at this time when my executive vice president and i were sitting down looking at our pipeline and he said what are we going to do if we close all of this because we, huh. like, we didn't have the capacity to handle it all and right. Like those are good problems to have, but now it's like, I want everything qualified. How many salespeople do they have? Who are the decision makers there? How do they deliver training? Are they doing third party? Are they doing it themselves? Do they do licensing? Um, right. I want to know every single thing about these companies so that we have this loaded up database so that when winter comes and our, we have to really have to shift to, we do a lot of outbound, but we have a lot of inbound coming in too, but when we have to shift because we're starving to death because the leads aren't coming in as fast because Bob's doing the keynote, right? Then we have to be able to have all that done now. We have the luxury to do the, do the qualifying now so that when the time is right, we can call and set appointments. And I think if I'm a salesperson, I want to do that. And, the, and the, 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 the one thing that I say to salespeople, getting into a recession and thinking about a recession is accelerate. What a lot of people do is they slow down. So what they, 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 they get into their cave, they huddle up, they hunker down. I'm going right. to wait. 
And, and what I say to people is put the accelerator on and go faster. That means that you're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to make more touches. You're going to have to do more networking. You're going to have to do all the things that we were doing back, go back 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I worked as hard as I have ever worked in my life, right. To yep. make, to make enough to survive on. I was working 10 times harder than everybody else. On yep. the other hand, we came out of the recession like a phoenix. I mean, we were on fire because we were, we were still moving fast. We were still making investments. We were still prospecting. We didn't hunker down. We were careful. We didn't make stupid mistakes, right? We, we, didn't, we didn't spend our money in the wrong way. We didn't take undue risk. Um, we spent a lot more money today than we did then because we have the money to spend and we're willing to take the risk. And I think, and if you were a business, what I would say, if you're a you know, real estate business, the one thing you want to start watching, and which is where we're starting to go now, is where, where do we have you know, fixed infrastructure costs that we cannot live without. What are those? Where do we have fixed infrastructure costs that if we needed to, to unload it, we could unload it. What right. are the, and what are our variable costs um, that we have? Like, you know, things that we spend money on that we can, we, we could, you know, move up or move down as we go know what those are, because what happens to a lot of companies and a lot of people especially in their lives. And if you're in real estate, looking at your own life, look at your personal finances, where do you have money being this being outlaid that if tomorrow, and I doubt we'll have another, you know, 2008 again, but if we had another 2007, 2008 again, which was the worst financial crisis of my lifetime, you know, I remember yep. my granddad talking about the, the depression, but I mean, it was, it was like that. And by the way, it was supposed to be over in like 2009, but I felt it all the way into 2014. So, right. You know, so I think that if you have these these costs that you're these outlays that you're spending money on, go look at them right now, figure out what they are, and then and then figure out either how to get rid of them, pay them off, mitigate them, um, whatever. And that's one of the things that we've been doing this year. My my wife and I, um, looking at all of our rental properties, is we're 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 cash rich right now because of the the economy is taking the money that we have and we're paying like basically paying off these rental houses, which is, which most advisors will tell you not to do because you're using someone else's money to make money. But as right. a recession comes and rental rates start getting depressed, which they may, we don't know. It's better that we don't have that debt because then, then we have income coming in that we don't have to pay anybody for that can carry something else. So it's, it's looking at the entire world and saying, okay, here's where we are. Recession's coming. It's happening. Is it going to be six months? Is it going to be a year and a half? I'm praying for a year and a half, praying for a year and a half. <laughs> uh, now, I think that would be best. Um, but when it happens, it happens. I think the good news, my opinion is that it'll be a small dip. I don't think it'll be a two years. I think, it, I think it'll be a three quarter recession and we'll be out of it. But for most people, because as soon as it hits, we're going to feel it harder because of all of the technology that's coming in, um, taking people's jobs, that type of thing. So I think it'll feel like, like it did this last time where we were, I think, I think technically out of the recession in late 2009, but I, I mean, it, I felt it for like, I felt like, I felt like we were still in it for a, a much longer time than that. Um, and that's because your business is discretionary income kind of based. Like companies are like, okay, we can afford to do some training. Let's call Jeb. It is. We have a, a job board that we back that up. And believe it or not, during the recession, the job board was fantastic because people, everybody's looking for a job. So right now the job board sucks because we, nobody's looking for a job. So right. people are money posting jobs and then they yell at us the entire time because nobody's applying to their jobs. So, uh -huh. you know, weird things. But um, I think, I think, yeah, you're right. It's discretionary income. Um, it is, uh, I have a big team. I have 19 people on my team. So I have a huge you know, training team. So it's, um, you're exactly, it, 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 when it dips, we feel it. I mean, we're, we are totally going to feel it because you don't right. have to travel people. You have to do those things, but companies still train people. They, they don't quit training people. So you have to be able to shift into that. We've made massive investments in our online training platform. Um, it is world-class. It's amazing. Uh, it's, we have, we have the ability to create white labeled LMSs. And so we have a lot of companies that are coming in and using it. Yeah. So licensing, you know, all of those things come into play. Uh, if we have a, a deep, ugly, nasty recession, um, it's, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're going to feel it. I mean, it's going to be a painful situation. I mean, it'll take some time off the road, but it'll be painful. Um, I just don't, I don't see that happening this time. There's just not the, the only bubble we have out there is student debt. And, um, and, that 
it's it's crashable, but it's probably not as crashable as you know everything else because the federal government basically has guaranteed it. So um, we shall you know we shall see uh, what'll happen. But I think uh, I think you're exactly right. I think well, I mean you know for real estate recessions are tough for real estate, but the money's it's really moves. tough. But the money moves. Yeah, yeah. Well, it moves from the stock market to to real estate, and then from real estate back to the stock market, and you just got to capture those markets as they move. So, we're a real estate virtual assistant company, and we primarily—I'm a real estate broker—and hired basically went on my honeymoon, was working at two in the morning, you know, in Guatemala in the mountains. Bartenders making fun of me. My wife, my brand new wife of three days, is sleeping. And I got back and I was like, okay, something's got to shift here. Otherwise I'm not going to have a, I'm not going to stay married and never going to have a family, you know? Uh, and my outdesk was really just born from my own need to survive the last recession, hire great talent at great prices. And we've served over 5,000 uh, real estate companies and, you know, been around for 12 years and yeah, we, we help people get talent basically. So tell me, tell me, so, so explain what you do. Well, we have virtual assistants in the Philippines and then okay. we kind of bump them up with, in fact, we built the industry. Um, our first, I, we hired our first person before Tim Ferriss put out the oh, really? know, four hour work week. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, that thing completely changed everything for us in 2010 and 11 because that book got very popular at that time, but we had started in 2007 back when the recession hit and, um, yeah. And then a friend of mine said, Hey, dude, Daniel, can you get me a couple? And I was like, yes, but I got to charge you because it's a pain in the butt to find these folks and get them all, you know, on board and everything. And so, yeah, we're, and, and right now, you know, we're just reaching out to other, you know, folks in the industry. All right. That's, um, that's all. I started sales gravy in 2007. Um, okay. Dif- differently. Uh, I was a, uh, a, a senior level executive in a fortune 200 company and the uh, and in 2007, I was, you know, flying around in a corporate jet, you know, with two mm. assistants in a corner office, eating steaks and drinking wine. And it turned out, you know, we and we were one of those companies that we were a leading indicator of the recession. So we felt it before anyone else felt it. Nice. So it turned out that they just didn't need people who flew around in corporate jets and ate steaks all the time. So <laughs> I had to go find something else to do. So. Um, so, so I started, uh, I started sales gravy in the middle of a freaking ugly recession and, uh, and you know, it's like, who does that kind of thing? So it sounds like, I think it's great. Kind of- How'd you come up with sales gravy? I mean, were you, were you sitting in, uh, Mrs. Wilkes booth house, you know, that, that restaurant and said, I like gravy. <laughs> kind of like that. I was, uh, I had the original name for my company was sales professionals online because naively I believed that I was going to create a portal for salespeople and make a lot of money. And, uh, I figured out really quickly that that was not going to happen. And a friend of mine who is a, a digital marketer, uh, you know, online guru consultant, we were having lunch in Orlando and I was telling him about my name, you know, self professionals online. And he just looked at me and goes, this is the dumbest name I've ever heard in my life. Nobody's going to ever remember that <laughs> you know, this whole thing. And uh-huh. so, um, I, uh, I walked out of that meeting. I was dejected. This was like late October. And man, I went online, this is 2007. I went online and tried to find salesblank.com, anything. And right. I couldn't find anything that I liked and nothing that made any sense. And we were on Captiva Island over Thanksgiving in 2016. And I was having Thanksgiving dinner and the waiter came by with a gravy boat and poured some gravy on my mashed potatoes. And like, it just hit me. And I got up from the table. We were on Captiva Island. Like this is really before like, iPhones and tech with, I ran to the office cause I didn't have any, like anything with me, you know, really poor connections, ran to the office, pushed the lady off the front desk and said, I've got to use your computer. It is an emergency. And I got, got online and reserved salesgravy.com cause I thought everybody in the world's going to think about this at the same time. And, um, and it just was, you know, cause it hit me cause it's what I always tell salespeople. Like if you do all the right things and you're doing it consistently, it's a like gravy just falls out of the sky. You just get, you get blessed with all kinds of things that you wouldn't normally get blessed with. My salespeople call them the sales gods. The sales gods reward you. Um, and, so we, you know, that's, and by the way, the sales guys will take, a, take away from you too. If you're doing the happy dance after you get a verbal on a deal, but you don't have a contract signed, the sales guys right. will 
bite you in the rear end for that. So be careful what you what you celebrate. But yeah. the uh, but so it was just something that I said all the time. So we we picked it up and it's it's a good and bad name. I mean, it's a great name because people never forget it. But we made a decision, I guess, three four years ago because we were we were considering whether we should change the whole brand, and, yeah. uh, and we just made a decision to stick with it. It's who we are and. And we haven't looked back and we take care of some of the biggest companies in the world. So we just, we figure it's a, it would, if, you, if people won't forget it, well, that's a good thing. I love so we, that, man. Yeah, nobody can forget it. No. It's, no. it's unforgettable. Um, okay. So let's, let's dive in. Um, we were talking earlier and you'd mentioned like um, the human to human connection and that being such a major lever in the sales conversation and who better than you the founder of Sales Gravy, to kind of talk us through that. Talk to me about the human-to-human connection that is important in any line of sales that, that, that you know, people are facing today. So there's, you know, we've, we've, we're living in a world where we have what we call the Amazon effect. I think people talk about this all the time. And what Amazon did was make it really, really easy for people to buy things that are low risk. So, so if I can go in and I can buy something, there's not a lot of risk in it and I can take the friction out of it, which is typically a human being that's in the way of me and, and, and buying it or going to a store, what have you, then as a person, I'm more likely to buy something that way. And, and there are products that are sold online today that we wouldn't even consider would be, it would be possible to sell it online, you know, say 15 years ago, but the quality is at such a, you know, at such a level or the variables and what you're going to get are so, you know, so, so skinny that there's not a lot of risk in buying that particular thing. So like you can buy an industrial refrigerator online, but it may cost $5,000, but you know that it's, it's something that you're going to be able to buy. It's going to be right, but it's a brand new refrigerator. Every single one of those refrigerators, it's exactly the same. So you can do that. But it, even with Amazon and even with buying that way, they people still call in. I mean, I've got clients who sell tons of products online who have entire banks of salespeople who are on the phone helping people because that person needs to hear a human voice that makes them feel comfortable with that. And when things go wrong at Amazon and they do, call in and they will give you some of the best customer experience and customer service that you've ever had. So they understand the human to human experience. Where, where this begins to to separate from that particular world is when things are all different. So for example, I've got clients who sell capital equipment and some of that capital equipment can be a 200 or $300,000 purchase. Most of it's 30, 50, $60,000. No one is buying the used equipment without talking to another human being. Why? Because it's all different. And because it's all different, I need to have a conversation with someone to make sure that it's what I want. So, right. As we move up into, into things like real estate, if you're a residential buyer and this is going to be your home, you want to have a conversation with another human being that's going to make you feel a great about the purchase. That's going to give you a great experience with the purchase. I, I love buying real estate. I love going through the process. I wish I had enough money to buy a new house every week because I, I love the hunt. I like doing those things. I, and I want to work with someone who who shares that enthusiasm and 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 helps me have a good time going through the process. Um, you need to, they need someone who's going to reassure them and help them and talk them off the the ledge. You've got sellers who do evil nasty things. You've got buyers who do ask the sellers for evil nasty things. You've got you know insecurity. You've got fear. You've got a husband and a wife or you know a, a two partners who are you know at each other's throat about what they want and what they don't want. Everything's imperfect, and your job is to is to weave like the human emotions and relationships into that 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 tapestry of imperfection that is buying a house, and so everything everything is different, and and so for you as a as an agent, what what the value that you deliver in this transaction is the human to human experience. When I say experience, it is an emotional experience, and here's what we know to be true. The buyer's emotional experience of working with you is the most consistent predictor of outcome of any other variable. And let me say that one, one a different way because I want to I load something into that. The qualified buyers, the qualified buyers' emotional experience while working with you is a more consistent predictor of outcome, whether they buy the house or don't buy the house, than any other variable. The qualified seller's emotional experience of working with you is a more consistent predictor of whether they list that house with you or they list it with someone else or they try to sell it on their own. 
It's how they feel about you. So okay, okay, hold theory, on. You're, that's you're, everything. You're too fast, man, Jeb. I'm slow. You got. <laughs> you're passionate about this. I can super tell that. But let's break that down because what you just said is really important. How exactly, start to finish, like walk us through. How do you create an emotional experience and intertwine that human element in a transaction? Well, first of all, are you going to treat it like a transaction, right? Or are you going to treat it like an outcome? So if I were meeting with you and I'm, you know, you're, let's just say that um, you're a seller and I sit down in your living room and I like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, why are you moving? Why are you selling your house? What do you want to do? Where are you going? I want to know what you're doing. If, If I treat you like a transaction, you're going to treat me like a transaction. So if that's, if it's hello sign here, we're not getting anywhere, but if it's, I understand you, you're trying to get your equity out of this house so that you can move to Florida and, you know, and spend the rest of your days hanging out on the beach. I mean, if I can talk about that, all of a sudden I'm speaking your language, but essentially step one is to just make sure that you're hundred percent focused on their outcome is what they, what's important for them. That's step one. What's their outcome? What if, if, I'm, if I've got buyers, what do you, what's the outcome? What are you trying to get to? And what we do is we say, what are you looking for? That's different right. than what the outcome is. What do you see? Like, what do you want? Um, I was telling you earlier in the pre-show that I bought a, a, a vacation house. I bought a house on a lake. And yeah. it'd been on my bucket list for my entire life. And because um, I, 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 I always wanted a house here. And I finally was in a financial position to get a house there. And the real estate agent asked me that, and I told him my story. I said, this, this is my bucket list. This is where I want to be. And he, he always came back to that. You know, he always just came back to, um, you know, so like this part of the lake or this part of the lake or this part of the lake, and I could remember the different pieces of the lake. So it's, it's there. But it really starts with, with answering five questions. So when you're dealing with a human being, they're asking five questions of you. Question number one is, do I like you? And that's, that's first. So if they don't like you, they're not going to list or buy with you. That's, that's just a fact. They're not going to have anything to do with you. Now, if they do like you, that doesn't mean that they will. So there's no guarantee that they do like you, but if they don't like you, there's guarantee they will. So do I like you? Do you listen to me? Well, the easiest, fastest way to be likable is to shut up and listen. And (laughs) what I find with most agents is their mouth is running instead of their ears listening. So do I like you? Do you listen to me? Do you make me feel important? Now, this is, this is probably the most important lesson in all of this. The most insatiable human need is the need for significance. This is the singularity of all human behavior, good and bad. I need to feel like I matter, that I'm appreciated. I need to feel important. So when you make people feel important, you give them the greatest gift that you can give another human being. And when you give people a gift, you create something called obligation. That obligation means that they're more likely to comply with your request. And any type of real estate sale is a series of small micro commitments that people make along the way. So do I like you? Do you listen to me? Do you make me feel important? Well, the easiest way to be likable is to listen. And the easiest way to make someone feel important, this greatest gift that you can give them is to listen to them. Number, number four is, do you get me and my problems? So you do understand me as a human being, right? And do you understand my outcomes, the, the problems that I have, where I'm coming from, what I'm doing? And, and this, is, this is basically, you know, everybody wants to be under, understood. When we were looking for our vacation home, I didn't say, well, I'm looking for three bedrooms and three bathrooms and this and this and this. I didn't do that. I said, this is my bucket list. I've always wanted to be here. Here's how much money I have. Can you find me something that fits in this? Then we went and we, and like my wife and I, the way we would buy houses, we went and laid hands on it. And I'm just teasing. But we went and walked through it and said, how does this place make us feel? We didn't walk in and go, you know, there's not enough bathrooms in here. We, We walked in and said, this just doesn't feel good. And the place we finally bought, if you would have been with us that day, um, we were like, it was just textbook. We walked in and we walked out onto this big porch that looked out over the lake. And it's like a cabin type place. And we sat there for a minute and both of us sat down in the chairs on the porch and just sat there. And at that moment, that house was sold. At that very moment, we made that, we looked at like 10 other houses, but we, I knew walking out of there, that was the house we were going to buy. And it was just how it felt. So if you get that and you understand, some people are looking for aesthetics, some people are looking for emotions, some people are looking for the number of bathrooms or what have you, but they're not going to give it 
to you in a bullet point. They're going to give it to you in a story. And this is when you were talking about the piece, right? This, this patience, you have to have the patience to let people tell you their story. And the reason they tell you stories is so you will understand them. And the way yes. that you demonstrate that you understand them is that you speak their language, not your language. And their language is their problems, their outcomes, their emotions, their needs, their want. Do I like you? Do you listen to me? Do you make me feel important? Do you get me my problems? And do I trust and believe you? And when you demonstrate that you get someone, that you understand them, which, by the way, defines the greatest, most important relationships in your life, those are all people like your wife who get you and understand you. Like once, right. you once you get into that space, this person totally gets me, then you begin to trust. And you begin to trust by showing up on time, doing things the right way. You know, when you say you're going to do something, do it. When you say you're going to show up, show up. Uh, making sure that, like, for example, even like going through doing the contract and there's disclosures on there, go through the disclosures with the person to make sure that everything is right. Because if something is wrong and someone finds out and that impacts the way they trust you, all of a sudden, everything else starts to fall apart. So you have to answer those five questions and you do this organically, but you in, in, in a nonlinear way through everything that you do. Do I like you? Do you listen to me? Do you make me feel important? Do you get me into my problems? What trust and believe you? And when you answer those five questions in the affirmative and consistently, it becomes almost impossible for the qualified buyer or seller not to do business with you. I love it. I love it. And what um, you'd mentioned it earlier, salespeople, like they don't listen, like that's the number one challenge. What are some of the other mistakes that salespeople are making um, through the, the buying process or the selling process? Well, let's, if we just start with something basic, right? Do I like you? So if you, if you think about the way that buyers and sellers are inter, inter, you know, interacting, and when I say buyers and sellers, seller being the real estate agent, buyer being either the, the, the seller who is listing their house or the person who is buying a home. So which, right. whatever those situations may be. And if you're in commercial real estate, you know, it could be the individual in that real estate organization that is buying a commercial property. But if you think about how we interact, sellers almost always begin at reason and logic. So we start with, the, for example, the number of bathrooms in the house, the number of square feet in the home, right? Um, the demographics in the neighborhood. We start with the features and the benefits of where we are. And sure. the, the, the buyer, the person that you're selling to, almost always begins at, do I like you? That, that's, they start there. And in a lot of cases, they begin deciding whether they like you or not before they even know that they're deciding whether they like you or not. So it's a right. really simple, basic thing. And by the way, you do the same thing because we're, it's hardwired into our DNA when we meet a new person or we're interacting with a person to start making decisions about whether that person is safe, secure, and has our best interest at heart. So the problem is, is that we begin emotionally out of sync. We're talking about reason, logic, features, benefits. We could even be talking about the size of our, you know, of our brokerage and, you know, all these other things. And the, all they want to know is, do I like you? Are you a nice human being that I believe has my best interest at heart and can help me find the home of my dreams or help me solve a problem for my family or whatever the case may be? So the thing is, is that the, the easiest, fastest way to begin to close that gap is to simply move up to, do I like you? So focus on that first. Tell me about you. Help me understand you. Help me understand your situation. Smile, you know, be kind, be polite, be focused, be, you know, be, be there all the way. And then we can start learning how to listen the right way. And there's two types of listening. There's active listening, which most people have gotten some lesson in active listening. And that is simply, you know, listening with your, you know, with, 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 I don't, I don't even know making it um, tangible that you're paying attention. So you're listening with your, right. your, your body, like you're, you're repeating things that they say, you're demonstrating that you're there in the conversation. That's active listening. That doesn't mean you're actually hearing people. It just means that you're demonstrating that you're paying attention to them. Then there's deep listening and deep listening is listening with your eyes, your ears and your heart or your intuition. So it's paying attention to the message. So the words that they use, plus you know the tone of voice their body language their expressions and to do this you have to turn your empathy on and your outcome drive off so empathy is the meta skill of sales and what that means is that i'm able to step into their shoes and to sense their emotions and to feel their emotions and by the way manage my own my own impatience and and exert self control of over my disruptive emotions so that i allow them to express themselves so I'm demonstrating this, this empathy and 
attention to them. And, and in that moment, I'm paying attention and hearing the emotional cues, the things that are important. And this, I think, is, is where we really begin to fail as salespeople, is we, is we forget that human beings, us, the people that we're selling to, we don't always walk through the door and go, you know, I feel so afraid to buy a new home, or I'm really conflicted over whether or not I can afford this and do that. Or, you know, I've I'm having such a disagreement with my partner over whether we should do this. I mean, you're, they don't come in and say that. They go, we want three bedrooms and two baths. That's how they, they walk through the door. And what you have to do is learn how to pay attention to the emotional cues that tell you there's something beneath the surface and ask questions about that. That's deep listening. And that's where ultra high performing real estate agents, agents and salespeople everywhere really begin to earn their stripes because that's where they start to uncover what's really important to this person. That's when they start learning the language. That's when they get the person to begin telling their story and inside that story, paying attention to what's most important piecing that together, then giving it back to them so that they go, wow, this person really understands me. And oh, by the way, we were talking about imperfection. So let's just say that you're walking someone through a home and I'm just using selling as a, as a way, but let's just say you're walking people through a home or you're having to explain to a homeowner who wants to list their home with you that if they don't change the, the color of the dining room from bright purple to something more beige, that they got a problem, even though it was the most beautiful thing to them and the world when they painted it that color. Yeah. Like, if you don't have that relationship with them, right, then it's hard to do that. And oh, by the way, if you've listened to them tell you about their outcome, you may be walking through a home and saying, you told me that these things were important to you. And I know in this particular situation, it doesn't have those things. However, one of the things that you said to me that was really important to you was this, and this home has that. You know, you right. can say to the homeowner, I know that you love this purple and you think everybody likes this purple, but you told me that you were dreaming about being in Florida. And you want to get there as soon as possible. And if we can make this one adjustment and paint it beige instead of purple, then based on what the market's doing, we can get you to your dream faster. So you have to have that. But I'm speaking their language in the process. And I'm able to speak their language because I listened to them. And, and, and I wasn't just listening to words. I was listening to the emotions and asking questions around those specific emotions to get deeper and deeper below the surface. So deep listening. That's your, that, that, that sounds like the ninja skill that makes things happen. Well, listening is a ninja skill if you do it the right way because of something called the self-disclosure loop. And most people haven't heard of this, but the self-disclosure loop is a simple mechanism in our brain whereby when we self-disclose, when we tell someone something about ourselves, we get a dopamine hit essentially brain crack, right? You get a little bit of drug and you've all, everybody's all experienced this because you've been in a situation where you've been telling something, somebody something about you and suddenly, I don't know where, like, I don't know what happened, but you crossed the TMI zone and you said something really personal about yourself. And in the middle of saying it, you're like, why am I telling this person this? I shouldn't tell this person this, but you right. keep going, right? And they go yeah. like, you tell them more and tell them more and tell them more because you can't even help yourself. You're under the influence of drugs, brain crack, dopamine. And good listeners, good deep listeners, they're able to, to, to activate this, this self-disclosure loop where people will tell them everything because they're good at deep listening. They know how to ask questions at the right time. They exert incredible patience. So they pause. They don't talk over people. They allow people to keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. And they allow people to tell their stories and they recognize that people communicate in stories, not bullet points. So they have the patience for people to get it out but also they have the outcome drive. So they're empathetic and outcome, outcome driven at the same time, what we call dual process, but they have the outcome drive to stay on track, but allow this person to take them down a road where pretty soon the person tells them exactly what they need to do to list the house or sell the house. That's amazing. Jeb, we are out of time. We're at the top of the hour. I just want to thank you for being here, joining us. If somebody wanted to find out more, about you get more information or go deeper with these concepts these uh like sales gravy ninja skills that you just talked about actually i feel like we didn't even really dive deep i feel like you and i could spend four hours and we would have like scratched the surface um but if somebody wanted to find out more about your company and what you do and actually get help um how would they 
Yeah, I would, I would, I would say start with, if you want to learn more about what we're talking about, go to Sales EQ. It's a book I wrote. Uh, it really gives you a deep dive into human influence frameworks, persuasion, uh, yourself. It'll help you understand who you are. Um, then I would go to objections. I think objections is, uh, it takes us into why we, you know, sometimes back away from asking for what we want, um, why we're afraid of rejection. And it really dives into the psychology of that, but then gives you frameworks for being able to, to, to handle those type of conversations. And then fanatical prospecting connects these three books together in how do you build the top of the funnel, build your pipeline and get past some of these hangups. So I'd start there. Uh, you can find me at salesgravy.com. So that's pretty easy, salesgravy. Um, it's right here behind me, the little, uh, the little uh, SG. Um, Jeb, jebblunt.com, my last name is spelled B-L-O-U-N-T.com. You can catch me there. Um, I'm on Twitter at SalesGravy. I'm on Instagram at SalesGravy, posting all the time. Uh, I'm on YouTube, so I have uh, 400 videos on YouTube. I put up two or three new videos a week. So forward slash SalesGravy will get you there. Uh, I'm all over Facebook, so I've got a fan page on Facebook and I got a personal page on Facebook. So hit me there. And on, I'm on LinkedIn. Now on LinkedIn, I've run out of connections. So they only let you have 30,000 <laughs> connections. So I've, I've hit the top. Um, so if you're on LinkedIn, the best thing you can do is find me and click the follow button. And then I post new videos, all kinds of stuff on LinkedIn as well. And then uh, if you want to connect with me directly, um, you can send me an email. I'm at jeb at salesgravy.com. That's J-E-B at salesgravy.com. And you can ask a question. Now, here's what I ask. If you send me an email, don't ask a question that requires me to send you a eight paragraph answer, like something simple is easy because usually I'm running and I'm working off a cell phone. Uh, but if you send me something that is really, really, really hard for me to answer and your, and your, you know, your question is like, you know, four, you know, four paragraphs long, you're probably not going to get anything back because I've only got so much time in a day that I can deal with. But if you have something quick or, you know, you've got something that you want to run by me, I'm happy to, uh, to take your question. Um, but any of those places you can connect with me and, uh, and I'm, and I, I appreciate it. And thanks for let, for having me on. We should do this again. I don't, we spent a lot of time talking about stuff that had nothing to do with this. So it was a good conversation. <laughs> I know. Well, we'll do more, man. I, I really appreciated your time today. Um, what would you, if, if we were to give somebody one last piece of advice in upping their sales game, you're the guy. So I'm a sales guy. I'm, let's say I'm doing six figures, but I would like to double my income. I'd like to do more and be better and have a better life and all that. Jeb, what would you tell them to do? So that's a, that's a long answer, but I'll try to make this short. If you want to double your income, let's say you're at six figures, and you want to double your income. What you have to do is start looking at the science rather than the art. So if you're, if you're consistently you know, knocking down a nice six figure salary or salary, but commissions, um, you're probably doing really, really well. And you're doing a lot of things right. Cause there's a whole bunch of people out there that are starving to death. So yes. let's just say you're making 200 and you want to move to 400. So so the, the, there's a couple of things that you want to look at, but most importantly, you want to look at your, your conversion funnel. So all, all, we need, all we need to do is think, think about this. How many new listings do you put in every single month? How many listings do you move out every single month? Where do those listings come from? So we start looking at where do the listings come from? And, and then, okay, so how many, how many meetings do you have to get a listing? How many of those, those meetings turn into a listing or a second meeting? Boom, all the way down, all the way through the funnel to sold. So if you start looking at that, start looking at the micro levers inside that, that funnel. So what are those micro ratios? So, you know, 10 uh, listing meetings to one listing. So look at that, that would be a micro lever. Where do they come from? So if you start looking at that, all you have to do to double your income is double the ratios. So in other words, right. if it takes you 10 listing meetings to get to one listing, then, then change it to 10 listing meetings to get two listings, so 20%. Or you need to do 20 listing meetings to get two. But if you've got two right, listings, right. all of a sudden, guess what happens? If everything else in the final change stays the same, you doubled your income, right? You, you also might wanna look at levers like, what's the value of your listing? So if, all, if, you're, if your average value listing is 130,000, then you, if you change that to 260,000, guess what? Your income just changed. I mean, if you just, just go through the process, right. that might mean that you have to move someplace else, which could impact everything else in your conversion funnel. But when I'm in a place where I'm doing well and I want to double, the place that I go almost always is, 
look at my conversion funnel first, see where I have places where I can improve. Sometimes it's small improvements across all the micro levers inside of the micro ratios inside that funnel. And then if there's a place where it's easy for you to improve by doubling your effort or changing something else, do that. Or if you're looking at it and saying, let's just be objective. For example, um, you know, I could have more listing meetings if I was doing less of this. So I call you, right? Because if I call you, you can give me a virtual assistant who can take this crap off of my plate so that I can go have more listing meetings, right? So then I can double my income. And so that's where I, I typically go is I go, I start looking at those things and I do this, very similar to that in my own life. If I want to move this, what's the stuff that I have to get rid of? And I'll give you a great example for the day. Last example is today I've got really important things to do and I have a assistant that sits in the office over there. And when I walked in this morning, I said, Lisa, here's what I want for lunch today. Um, will you get me my lunch before you go to lunch? And I was in the middle of an interview and then I had to go do some other work. And then, and then my lunch was sitting on the table in the conference room. I ate my lunch. I never missed a beat. I got all my work done and I was able to increase my productivity because I didn't have to stop, go down to the, to the restaurant, get my lunch and then bring it back, unpack it all. It was all ready for me. And that's by the way, one of the ways that you can help yourself and make your life better but you got to invest in it. My assistant costs a lot of money to have someone sit in that office, um, you know, full time that I pay a salary, pay for healthcare, you know, 401k, all those things. But guess what? I make a whole lot more money now that I hired that person. Does that make sense? I love it. Know your numbers. I'm just going to summarize. Jeb says, know your numbers, salesgravy.com. Thank you, brother, for your time. Uh, this has been awesome. Thank you, sir.